Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. You're listening to the Jersey Girls. What's up, everybody? Marissa here, bringing you the last of our live panels from the amazing pop, rock, and horror convention. We got to sit down with the cast and crew of Terrifier, including the amazing David Howard Thornton, who made Art the Clown the icon he has become, writer-director Damian Leone, and stars Jason Levy and Steve Della Sala. So enjoy our talk about indie filmmaking, what makes Art the Clown so iconic, and of course... A little bit of feminism. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the official Terrifier panel. We have got four very awesome guests here for you. We have uh, David Howard Thornton, the actor, and you might know him as a little guy named Arthur Clown. Um, we have the director and writer, Damian Leone. Yes, yes. Um, we have Jason Levy and Steven Della Sala, who are both actors in the film. Um, so we are so excited to talk to you guys about this amazing uh, piece of work. And we are going to ask a few questions, get you guys talking a little bit. And then we're going to have you guys participate and ask some questions, too, if you'd like. So we are so excited to jump in. So we're going to just go ahead and get started. Um, I guess the first question, you guys probably get this a lot, but I will pose this anyway because we all want to know. Uh, Damien, talk to us a little bit about how art came to be. We know that he started in All Hallows' Eve, but, you know, how did you come up with this idea? What was really the driving force behind it? And just give us some of the thought process there. Okay, so, um, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming to this, by the way. Um, so it really started before All Hallows' Eve. I'd made uh, my first short film, which is the first segment in All Hallows' Eve, and it was called The Ninth Circle. So it was sort of like my calling card to, um, you know, to find producers and everything like that. I was going to just pack it out with as many special effects as I could and um, as many creatures as I could build. And, you know, my, my thing is taking, uh, like, classic tropes that I grew up loving and then just putting my own twist on it. So I always felt I could do something new and interesting with the killer clown that I hadn't seen before. So I had this uh, this idea of a clown terrorizing this woman on a city bus all alone in the middle of the night. Like, he just, uh, you know, she's all alone and uh, comes to a stop and all of a sudden, I don't know, it's not even Halloween and just like this clown just gets on, sits next to her. It's basically the whole scene that you see in, in the film. Um, so then I made the film, I started showing it to people and everybody liked the creatures and the demons and stuff, but they're like, man, that clown, you know, he's really cool. You really got someone with him. Because he's only the supporting character, really, in it that uh, abducts this woman and then just delivers her into the hands of this cult. So then they're like, you got to do something more with that clown. And I'm like, all right. So we made a, you know, then my next logical approach was to make Terrifier, the short film, which is the third segment in All Hallows' Eve. And that's when we really, you know, put the spotlight on Art the Clown and just did whatever we could with him. But I mean, so it's been a long process. He's been around for a long time. I mean, as far as his look goes, it was uh, everything the opposite of Pennywise because... What's the point of doing any? You know, if you're going to do something different with the clown, you're like, don't go anywhere near Penny, Pennywise. He's the king. You don't want to step on his toes. So if you go tit for tat, I mean, they're quite different. There's quite a contrast there. All right. And speaking of art, uh, 
David, I'm going to go right to you here. And I just would love to hear a little bit about, I can't even imagine um, what it was like kind of conceptualizing and bringing him to life again and also kind of making him the iconic figure he's become. So talk to us a little bit about some of the experiences and thoughts that went into creating Wow, Your yeah. version of art. Yeah, well, um, I, I was a fan of uh, All Hallows Eve, so I was already familiar with the character when I came across the audition. And so I was like, I loved what the original art Mike Gianelli brought to the character. So I was like, oh, yeah, he's like an evil Mr. Bean. So I'm like, yeah, I'd love to play a character like that. So, you know, so going off of that, I kind of like um, basically took my my love for like the old uh, comedies like the especially the old silent films like Keaton Chaplin Marx Brothers Laurel and Hardy all that you know you brought in a lot of that into it as well as like you know you know Rowan Atkinson or Doug Jones or you know those kind of guys so I, I kind of like just took little little bits and pieces of what all those great legends did and took little bit of like you know Robert England and you know all the the greats from the horror Jason Mike Myers and I kind of just blended all that together and became what all that became like my version of art because I I, I kind of think of art as kind of like horror's biggest fanboy he, <laughs> he's a little bit of everybody yeah and so speaking of art why like and I would love to hear your guys perspective on this how has he so quickly and so powerfully risen to the into the like hall of fame of very cool villains what is it that draws people to him why do you think he works so well because I gotta tell you not much scares me and seeing this film both of these films for the first time I was like alright I am significantly creeped out like what maybe an extra light on that night so tell us why it's so effect- not proud to admit that as a horror guru but it's true and it's a testament to you guys so tell us about why this works so well at least in all of your opinions i i think dave kind of touched upon it and i think it's because he really has a little bit of the best of all the characters that i love uh, kind of like stitched into him and he's got a pretty cool simple look that it's simple but it's effective um you know like his face i took i took a little bit of like the comic book look of the joker a little bit with his features his gaunt features the sharp you know the pointy nose the chin and everything like that um I always I always gravitated a little more personally toward the silent killers, you know, even though I love but again, I think Freddy Krueger's personality is also in Art the Clown through a silent killer. So you have that. Um and I think he delivers the goods when it comes to the violence. Like he looks cool, but then you gotta deliver on that front as well. So it's just it's really just about satisfying the fans as much as possible with him and it's we're very conscious about that. I concur. <laughs> I think a lot of it also is that he's actually one of these villains that has a lot of charisma to him, even though he's silent. But there's that still that charisma. You, he actually shows emotions, and you can kind of identify him in a weird way. So and he he finds humor in the things that you should not be finding humor in. I think Which we do, incidentally. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you shouldn't. <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's what because like. I, I hate saying it, but like you know, horror films in the past decade or so have been lacking in that department when it comes to the villains. It's just like, there. I mean, it's more been like the independent films where they, they've had the villains that have had that kind of charisma. But it's like the mainstream is a lot of the time it's just like, just some guy wearing a mask that cocks his head to the side, and that's about it. And it's just like, oh, well, he's he's fun. Not, but I, I think that's why people were really drawn to this character. So yeah. No, I, I think it's true. I think we were ready for him, and we needed art in our lives. We just didn't know it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get to what I like to think of as the elephant in the abandoned building, and and that is for me as a um, 
filmmaker and as a podcaster who kind of totes a feminist perspective, I watched this movie and I was like, this rocks, man. I felt that there was nothing wrong with any of it. And it was very... I felt the playing with tropes. I felt that playfulness and that kind of appreciation and wink and nod to very seasoned horror fans. But there is a lot of talk out there about, you know, readings of this film that are misogynistic. And I'd love to get your guys' perspective on that because, for the record, I think it's an incredibly strong movie and has a, some somehow a very empowering take on Final Girl tropes. But I know there is some criticism, so I'd like to hear you talk to that. Um, well, I think art... Our- just loves killing. Okay, it's not about male or female. He'll kill everybody equally. He'll even kill children. I mean, so it's, and look, I, I wrote it. I can honestly tell you that I am not a misogynist. My entire family is women. I was, I was raised by a single mother and all women in my house. So I absolutely, maybe because of that, I actually feel more comfortable killing women. I, 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 I don't know. I've, I've never really thought that deeply into it. But uh, it's also, it's also part of the genre and part of the formula of the films that I grew up watching is always women. And, you know, I, I think if we perhaps made the main character survive as, as opposed to getting killed in the middle of the film, we've kind of pulled a Janet Lee. I think that kind of disturbs people a little more. And then, you know, it, yeah. So, um, but honestly, no, I mean, he's not, uh, he doesn't have a thing for, for women. He's got just a thing, a love for killing. He's an equal opportunity killer. He yes. Hates, he hates everybody just the same. And I think there's a lot of interesting reads you can have on our final girl in this one and how what she turns to in the end. I think it's fascinating, and I loved that, to be honest with you, because it's different and something fun. Um, gentlemen, you're over there a little too quiet. Nice talk to quiet. me a little bit. Yeah, amazing. I'm not letting you off that easy. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your experiences in this film or what you think this film brings to the canon. Uh, it's wild. It was a wild experience. <laughs> I just remember the first time that we came on set Art was already covered in blood from head to toe, so we knew he did something freaky that night. But uh, but yeah, it was it was an overall fun experience, and uh, we were up the late hours shooting the scene, and it was it was it was crazy, but it was good. What about you, Stephen? What about me? I I, I, thought, well, I didn't know we were gonna get a question. I really oh no, I'm not, I, yeah. I really thought we were gonna just slip through. I mean. I can tell you it was a lot of fun just seeing Damien do his thing. Like Jason said, we came in late to the game through a good friend of ours, uh, Phil Falcone, who's the producer, executive producer of this film. Uh, he brought us on and said we need two cops to play this part. And me and his brother, Mike, who actually ended up becoming the exterminator who had his head cut off, yeah. auditioned for that part. And we were like, I don't know why Damien made us audition. I guess we didn't know him that well yet. But... <laughs> We did that, and it got turned around a little bit, and we came into the middle of the scene where things had already happened, and he's covered in blood, he's in full makeup, we're watching him do his thing, and it's just the talent that these guys have is fantastic. So uh, I'm just excited for the second one, which now we know about. I don't know if you want to tell him anything about that movie. Oh, we are well going to talk about the fact that that's the whole point of this is to get some details on the second one. So, yes, Terrifier 2 has officially been, is is ready to go, right? We're starting a product, you're starting production soon on it, or can you give us some, a little morsel? Yeah, well, we're, um, we're like self-financing, again, ourselves through Dark Age Cinema, so we have private investors, we have nobody to answer to, which is amazing. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be part one on steroids. It's beautiful on every level. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way that sounds. So, um, speaking of part two, 
I'm gonna. This is my secret way of trying to get some details. <laughs> After watching uh, all of the canon with Art, I have a question, and I'm not sure if maybe I'll miss. It might be more obvious than I think. Is there like supernatural elements to this this cloud? Are we? Or is he just a, a slat? Like, is he human? <laughs> Can we know? <laughs> well, I think I think it is obvious at the end of the first one that he's now supernatural. Okay. 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 Yeah. He's very human in his right. style. Right. 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 So so now yes, so now we are going to explore how and why he's been resurrected and maybe I said this before at other places so I'll, I'll say it again but um like in a lot of films all your classic slashers again the supernatural ones you know what their motive is but you don't know what evil dark force is bringing them back. You don't know like Freddy, you don't know what enables him to come back through people's dreams. You know, you know why he's doing it like but same thing with Jason, like what brought him back? Yeah. What brought Michael Myers back? Like well that's not. So they kind of just gloss over that whereas we're going to embrace it in this one and really explain why and almost make that a character. Um, oh, that sounds amazing. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, so speaking of slashers and those tropes, as actors, as writers and directors, how do you avoid falling into pitfalls of, oh, well, you know, fans who have seen it all and are very seasoned with slashers, how do you keep it fresh for them? What's your what's your take on that? Because you guys did, for the record, in my humble opinion. <laughs> um, try and do things that I, because I've seen a lot of movies, and just try and do things that I haven't seen before. So yeah, He's like an encyclopedia when it comes to this stuff. It's just like, oh, Jesus. I, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with an idea for a kill. He's like, oh, yeah, that was done. This, this. I'm like, ah, son of a... <laughs> so it's like two things. It's try and do things that you haven't seen before, which is really tough. So it's like you have the, the hacksaw scene, which I never... There's been things that have been done similar, but never quite like that. So, you, you know, you have to do some investigating and looking up real torture methods and things and that that is one of them so i was like that's cool i've never seen that before let's do that yeah. or take things that have been done a million times and just kind of put a twist on it so even though like if art just kills somebody with a knife do it in a way that you really don't see because in a lot of slashers it's just the knife goes up comes down sometimes you don't even see it and then it's over so if i'm going to give him a knife is like let him stab the guy 70 times in the face in the eye in the cheek and like show it all you know awesome. uh so it's things like that or Throw the gun in there, which a lot of people absolutely despise. It's like it's very oh, polarizing that aspect of it. But <laughs> I never saw a gun in the hands of Freddie, Jason, or Michael. And it, it's like a personal thing. It's like could I an experiment? Like could I try it? Could it work? It might absolutely fail. I loved it. I thought but, it was funny, too. Yeah, so some people yeah. like it, some yeah. hate it, but, yeah. Uh, speaking of, what else is in that bag? Come on. <laughs> Snacks. <Yeah. laughs> it's got Lunchables it. in there. <laughs> Honestly, it's <laughs> Gogurt. When we're really filming, it's like pillows and blankets, and you have to make it look and sound heavier than it really is. Well, there, uh, were, there actually was a scene in the film that was, was a very, very short little blip of a scene that was cut when uh, in the pizzeria scene where the, the owner throws me out, and he comes back, and they notice he's got a cut on his arm. And they're like, oh, I must have cut myself on something that was in that bag or something like that. Just to foreshadow the yeah. weapons and stuff yeah. that's in yeah. it. But, um yeah, all his weapons, his hacksaws, his chains, his things to sort of um, lock down the building if he has to, make sure people can't get in. 
this is just a pers- uh, just a follow up personal question. I'm hoping we will now understand better into what's up with the walls in the bathrooms for art. Like, are we going to get a little better feeling for motivation there? Are we going to have like maybe a therapy session or what? Like, I just find that to be such an interesting piece that I noticed in in, in both of the the stories. So. Any yeah, ideas? It's, it's kind of like his calling card, I guess. You could I say. love it. Yeah. That's, a, that's a heck of a calling card. <laughs> All right. So if it's okay with you guys, we'd like to open it up for questions from the audience. My partner, Jackie, is going to go ahead and head out into the – wait, you got to bring the mic with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so does anybody have any questions for these guys? Oh, we got a great. Let's start. Hey, guys. What's, What's up, buddy? How's it going? Um, quick question about that. You know, the kill count for the first part was pretty low, but it was pretty significant. It was really meaningful. Um, a part two, are we looking for more kill, a uh, higher kill count for it, or right on the same, or what's yeah, what's up it, with that? It's a much higher kill count. Ooh, yeah, fancy. Much People yeah. gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? We got another Let one. The bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just have to ask after watching the movie. Okay, how many gallons of blood did you have to use to make this film? That's a good question. I don't know, but I do know. Well, you get. Well, I mean, I was the the exterminated whole head cut off scene was a pretty much a sight to see. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was a separate night that we actually came back to help shoot it and run another camera and light it and do things like that. And it was basically just protecting myself from the blood that was flowing <laughs> everywhere, just being too close to it. And Damien's just basically calling for more blood yeah. constantly. So I don't know how much you brought, but there, there was there, like there three were, compound buckets worth of blood yeah. just sitting on the side, yeah. getting well, pumped out of his neck. Poor Mike didn't have a change of clothes either, so like well, all that stuff cares? went down no. inside the inside of his costume into his underwear. He's like, I don't have other underwear. <laughs> and it was cold. It was yeah, cold it was that day. Very cold. It, it was, was like cold. a rainy, cold day. I was like, I'm I don't know. Sorry, did, you, did you measure? Maybe for number two, you got to start keeping track of the blood that yeah, you bring. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I did. You can I answer did answer the questions better. Yeah. Yeah, a, a tough thing about all that blood too is like when uh, one of the buildings we shot out in uh, um, Trenton. We didn't have running water in that building, and so it, we just had jugs of water that we would have to just take a sponge bath in. And it's like, and that was like oh. the night that I did the the the, um, the Buffalo Bill scene, and I <laughs> I was covered in blood, and I'm like, oh great, now I have to get all this stuff off with just like sponge bath in this <laughs> office. <laughs> it's like, oh great. It, w- it wasn't a fun shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was really fun riding the the, yeah. the train back to the city after all that because I, I was like, one of them was on Halloween, and I, I was going back in the morning. and I still had fake blood on me, had makeup still under my eyes, and I'm, and I it was after like three or four days of shooting streets. I was dead tired, and I'm at 34th Street Station. About nine o'clock in the morning, this homeless man just comes up to me. He's like, "Excuse me, brother," and I just do like this slow like turned looking i was so tired i wasn't mad or anything i was just tired i'm just like and he looks at me goes oh never mind (laughs) (laughs) and i was like man i must look scarier so i i I didn't have anybody sitting near me on the subway i'm like this is nice i like this i get some privacy (laughs) uh do we have any more one one up in the front here all right 
shout it out? Yeah. All right. So the question I had, uh, how was it when, I don't know if it was pure circumstance, but Halloween 2018 came out, uh, the guy that played one of the cops, I guess he had that and uh, mm-hmm. props, but he was the one that got his head decapitated. Right. So how cool was it to see that his design of that was it's almost identical. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know, I'm just happy to say that we beat them to it. So you can't yeah. say yeah. can't say we ripped it off of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I like to I like to think that they 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 must have seen like you know a showing or something like that at Terror Fair. I was like, hey, you know. I, look, <laughs> I say if they did, it's an honor. I mean, look yeah. how many things we ripped off of exactly. Halloween. Exactly. So it's it's fine. Yeah, you take from the best. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm humbled. Yeah. <laughs> Questions for David. Uh, yeah. Wondering how difficult was it to portray art through like just expressions and body language alone? It, that was definitely a challenge because um, this is the first time I've really I've always wanted to tackle a character like that because, like I said, I loved Mr. Bean especially growing up, and I always wanted to play a character like that. But it, it, I'm I'm a big voiceover guy. I, I do like over 200 voices and all that kind of stuff. It's just like that's that's my bread and butter, and they take away my biggest thing I do like every role I've ever played I've, I've always tried to do a different voice because I, I just it helps me really get into character that way and I didn't have that and they took away my biggest skill set but luckily I'm like I had a great teacher um, when I, I, I toured for five years with uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas the musical and I was understudy for Stefan Carl who played Robbie Rotten on Lazy Town he was our Grinch and Stefan was amazing with physical comedy. He 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 had a mastery of his body, and he really helped fine tune my my skills. Because I grew up doing a lot of physical comedy, especially doing a lot of children's theater growing up. Because like children are more into the the, the physical instead of the verbal comedy. But Stefan was the first person I ever met that could actually sit me down and like fine-tune everything I was doing. And so I, I would have moments on set where I was like, well, how would Stefan approach this scene? How would, how would, you know, and I'm like, okay, I know what to do now. Go. So, yeah. So it's like, you, you, I, I like to say you learn from the best and adapt to make it your own. Okay. We had another we have a junior fan. Yeah. Yes. <coughs> Watch it be like some, like, like philosophical it's gonna, question. Yeah. It's going to be like, whoa, that was deep. Hey. Hey, how you What's doing, up, buddy? Good. Um, why does like Art not talk? Like, did he like? Is he like too scared to talk, or like, did he lose his voice? <laughs> That's, a good yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should look it up on like Google or something. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, w- would you rather he can't talk, or he's choosing not to talk? Uh, he's choos- probably choosing not to talk. I agree. I like that. <laughs> See, I, I like to say art is like a fart. He's silent, but violent. <laughs> and he can't have fart without art. On <laughs> <laughs> um, the weapon design, the cat of nine tails with the scalpels? Yeah. Whose idea was that? Because that was genius. Oh, that was mine. Yeah. Thanks, man. There's actually something cool about that too. You might not realize it unless you're really paying right. attention. But like the the rope, the, all those things are made out of, it's human hair. So yeah. So I got both of those. I, the idea for the flagellum I got from the Passion of the Christ because I thought that was crazy when I first saw it. So I said, we'll use that and we'll put modern instruments on it. And I thought 
when I like I knew that because I'm a Star Wars fan. So one of the things you would never know unless you you know like dig into the mythology of some of the characters is that. Uh, Boba Fett wears uh, like Wookiee braids that he's killed and as trophies. So I was like, oh, so maybe like Art the Clown takes human hair from the women that he kills and he makes that that's his braid for the flagellum. So if you look at it, you can find that. But it's oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he knows how to braid hair. So girls, let's talk. Any more? We have questions. Do we have any more questions? You know, can you meet me? No, no I'm imagining me Art just having like sleepovers and like spraying <laughs> hair and then killing him at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> I just have more of a comment. That I'm super amped for what you said on Facebook about how imagine if Art was in, prom, in charge of the prom for Carrie. That's like I can't wait for that seat. So. Uh, thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I wish I I wish I could talk about a lot oh, of I things, know. but that's, uh, that's but yeah, I, to touch upon that. So yeah, there is a big. Big set piece in the second one with just mass chaos and murder and bloodshed and fire and everything you can imagine. Um, that's like all I could say about it, but it's going to be pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> all right. So, any other questions before we. Oh, here we go. We got one. I did see on the Facebook that you had uh, uh, funding, mm-hmm. that you were accepting funding, and you had uh, different price categories. Uh, like little uh, gifts or whatnot for the right, right. Do you have those listed yet? Not yet. We're going to figure that out and hopefully launch the Indiegogo in two weeks. Okay. So, but yeah, we're going to have some cool. Per- like we have the money to make the film, but it's 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 still low budget and the movie's huge. Like it is on such another level than the first one. So especially with that scene that I was talking about, there's a lot of stunts, a lot of, like a a, set, a huge set needs to be built for what we're going to do. So we could absolutely use a lot of uh, extra funds. I mean, if we can get them, great. If not, the movie's still going to be made. Um, but it's going to be all East Coast, yeah. And you know, we've been getting just a lot of requests from fans like since this movie came out that they want us to do an Indiegogo because they want perks. So we're going to go out of our way to make it as cool as possible. And you know, like one of the things we're going to do is make him wear because now we're conscious about everything, like the fans and what they want. And what, so like we're going to make him wear a lot more uh, outfits during the course of the movie and a lot more accessories and gloves and like film it and make sure we know. So it's like. You know, you could all buy gloves and hats like that he wore, and we'll have pictures of what scene he wore it and stuff like that. Like, it, yeah, yeah so th- cool things like and that. You said that'll be on Indiegogo in a couple weeks. Yeah. So yeah, definitely keep posted on there, you guys. Um, anything else before we wrap up? All right, well, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. If you have anything that you're working on or you want to just kind of give a shout out to, this would be the perfect time to do that. Yeah. No, well, we're all focusing everything on part two, but I just want to say we always say this, and it's really. Thank you guys so much because it's just a total fan film. And you guys, it's the word of mouth from you guys of why the movie is taking off. There's nothing behind it. There's no marketing. There's no campaign. It's just people seeing it and spreading the word. So it's really thanks to you guys that we're here right now. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could keep that applause going for David, Damien, Jason, and Steven. They are amazing for taking time to do this for us. We really appreciate it, guys. You all rock. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.